Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So the debt limit, if it's not increased, the government cannot afford to pay its bills. That's the conversation. We're back to this. We're going to have ourselves a government shutdown if we don't increase the debt limit, don't uh, get more borrowing to spend more money. And of course, it's all the fault of the Republicans. So saith Chuck Schumer. But when you're the party in charge, Democrats are the party in charge. It's kind of hard to blame other people. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. What is it that we're looking at here? And is all of this about the $3.5 trillion spending package? That they have to borrow more money in order to engage this package of spending, this infrastructure, which actually isn't infrastructure. Let me bring in Joel Griffith right now, research fellow over at Heritage uh, Foundation, a law school graduate from the Chapman University Daily Fowler School of Law, also spent time uh, working uh, with a series of, of groups, including, uh, I believe it's Alec, is one of the many groups, and uh, his, he's the research fellow, as I said, for the Institute for Economic Freedom and Opportunity at the Heritage uh, Foundation, and as I did have it right, director of the Center for State Fiscal Reform at the American Legislative Exchange Council. Let's start here, sir. Let's start with the basics. What exactly is a debt limit? What is it at now? What are they trying to get it at? Well, according to, uh, and thank you for having me on, Tony, but according to our Constitution, it's Congress that has the power of the purse, meaning Congress decides how much money is spent, and it's Congress that determines whether the, uh, the, the government can actually borrow money. So we've got now $28.4 trillion in debt. We are right up against that debt limit right now. And for the government to borrow more, Congress, according to the Constitution, Congress has to authorize additional borrowing. And with an enormous new spending, actually multiple new spending proposals, including basically a Green New Deal proposed by Congress, well, if they want to spend that money, then they're going to have to actually borrow more because we're, we're basically uh, spending up to $2 for every dollar that we're bringing in tax revenue as of late. And that's really what we're down to right now. Will Congress lift the debt limit or will they even do worse? Maybe they'll even just completely suspend the debt limit and give themselves a blank check. Well, that's what's being debated right now in Congress. So let's say the debt limit isn't raised. Is it that the country runs out of money, or is it that cuts would have to take place so the spending can be moved to other areas? Yeah, well, if you look at the amount of money we're taking in in tax revenue, we have a gusher, a gusher of tax revenue. In fact, if you go back to uh, when the tax cuts went into effect um, at the, uh, with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act 2017, We've actually seen tax revenue increase by 20% since the tax cuts. We're awash in money on the federal level. In fact, revenue this year is going to be about 10% higher than it was prior to the COVID pandemic and all the shutdowns. So what we have in D.C. is a spending problem because the politicians, not just Democrats, Democrats and Republicans, continue to approve more and more spending programs that far exceed the the money is coming in. Think about this. 
the money that's going to be spent the next 12 months combined with what Democrats and uh, liberals in Congress want to spend over the next 12 months amounts to $9 trillion. That's more than $100,000, just over one year of federal spending for a family of four. And that's a lot of money. Uh, So we have a spending problem, not a revenue problem in Washington, D.C. Talking to Joel Griffith. Uh, He is research fellow for the Institute for Economic Freedom and Opportunity at the Heritage Foundation. So here it is. We get to this vote yesterday, and the Republicans in the Senate say, hey, thanks, but we are not interested in doing this. This cannot engage a level of cloture to start debate nor end uh, debate. Chuck Schumer changes his vote from a yes to a no, so he's allowed to bring it up uh, later. That's a procedural maneuver. Once that happens, they go through this and the Republicans say, no, we're not interested. And, of course, you get the jockeying back and and forth about who's responsible for a shutdown. We are on the clock. You have Thursday midnight when the government can no longer pay the bills and things will get shut down. What is the theory about what could happen between now and then regarding a debt limit? Uh, well, there's a theory that uh, uh, the liberals in Congress could go ahead and pass this uh, on their own. But what they want is they want conservative and they want Republican fingerprints on this as well. Um, well, if they want support from conservatives in Congress on this, uh, Congress needs to do a few things. And we at Heritage have been talking about the need not just to, to, uh, to enact mechanisms to control the growth rate of federal spending, Um, But we also, if they want to raise the debt limit, then we need to impose a revenue cap as well. Uh, Government's spending too much. So let's let's impose both a revenue cap and a spending cap. And the last thing that Congress should be doing is just lifting this and suspending it altogether. We should not be giving future Congresses a blank check. If the feds want to, to, to borrow more, then we need to go ahead and put in some common sense measures to at least try to get us back on the right fiscal track. Because if you don't like the slow economic growth that we're seeing now and the inflation, uh, well, borrowing more is just a recipe for a future disaster that will make today's problems seem just petty in comparison. Now let's put the emphasis on this $3.5 trillion. This was a so-called infrastructure package. We've been discussing it here now uh, for well over a month. This wasn't about infrastructure. They they named it human infrastructure, which is not infrastructure. This was about Green New Deal concepts. This was about child care and health care, which you can discuss, but they're not infrastructure. This is about curbing uh, cryptocurrency. Again, not, not infrastructure. Is this bill, this $3.5 trillion wish list as I see it, is that the impetus for raising the, the, the debt ceiling? Meaning if this wasn't a part of the conversation, would we be having a problem at all? Oh, we would still be having a problem at all because as bad as the spending bills are, the, the infrastructure package, which is a lie, it's not infrastructure, 95% non-infrastructure. But even if Congress, we're not passing and considering those pieces of legislation, we are still spending far more than we're taking in every year. And that's been a consequence of both political parties acting imprudently. But when you talk about these spending packages, that infrastructure, so-called infrastructure program, uh, really, I mean, it's even more than a wish list. It certainly is a wish list, but really, this is the dream of those on the radical left to fundamentally remodel our entire American economy. The leftists in Congress, and it's not an exaggeration to say leftists, 
Senator Sanders is an outright socialist and is one of the most powerful people in the U.S. Senate. They want a centrally planned, government-run enterprise that controls every aspect of our lives. And it's their dream that the elites, including themselves, the elites in D.C. and in government can determine how we spend, how we use all of our economic resources. And that package that is thousands of pages, that affects every area of our lives, the education of our children, our energy, our food. It gets the federal government hands in every corner of our lives. So we have the the issue of spending and the issue of running out of money, regardless of what happens with the three point five trillion. It's just the three point five trillion is a an absolutely uh, awful p- bit of legislation. But here's this this new wrinkle. This new wrinkle out there is the idea that it doesn't cost anything. Talking to Joel Griffith, research <laughs> fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Let me play you two things, Joel. Uh, The first was from Representative uh, Pramila Jayapal, as as I shared, saying that this $3.5 trillion plan costs nothing. As I said to the president, I heard him say, this is a $0 bill because it's all going to be paid for with taxes on the wealthiest corporations and the wealthiest individuals. Then you had a guest with Brian Stelter on CNN over the weekend go about the same type of language. Why is that $3.5 trillion figure misleading? Because it doesn't really represent anything. Um, It's this weird shorthand that's been used, but in fact, the bill itself will not cost $3.5 trillion in the sense that it will be entirely or at least partly paid for. So the actual cost in terms of deficits will be smaller than that, perhaps even zero, although I think that's unlikely. And it's not even... (laughs) So we have in these two cases, in these two places, people pushing this line that President Biden himself put up that this bill uh, will cost zero dollars, but it seems it only costs zero dollars if you're taxing people, which means it's going to cost something. Is there anybody buying this line that this 3.5 trillion will cost zero dollars? Wow, this is something straight out of George Orwell's uh, 1984. Uh, there's a very real cost. We know it's not, it's far more than three and a half trillion because of budget gimmicks, but there's a very real cost there. Congressional Budget Office, which is nonpartisan, rates all these. We know this is going to cost a lot of additional spending, but they're arguing that all. They're going to raise taxes on the wealthy, and so if you're not wealthy, you're not paying for it, and therefore it costs nothing. Well, two problems with that. Number one, uh, the taxes that have been proposed do not cover the total cost of this. Number two, just because a corporation is paying an additional tax, uh, well, that, that doesn't mean that we as just everyday Americans are impacted. Those, those tax hikes are passed along to us in terms of higher prices or lower raises. And in some instances, it actually means these companies cannot even function and the companies don't actually even get started. So when you're talking about raising taxes on businesses to a rate higher than communist China, yeah, there's going to be very real consequences uh, from that. So this is a very real cost. It's going to impact not just business owners and the wealthy. It's going to affect all Americans who are looking to work and earn a living for the family hold on a second joel hold on a second let me let me counter this let me counter this with the words of jen saki who says the idea that costs are going to get passed down by these employers and, and companies is just absurd um i want to ask you about what republicans are pointing to in the analysis from the joint committee on taxation they say according to if i've read the chart correctly more than 16% of taxpayers would see their taxes increase under the, the, the bill that's approved by the House Ways and Means Committee. Will the president sign that bill if, 
as, as it is, is coming out of that committee, or will he insist on the changes so that he will maintain his commitment that taxes won't go up on people making $400,000 a year? I have not looked at the uh, document or the report that you have put out. Obviously, the president, or that you have referenced, I should say, that the Republicans put out. Uh, obviously, the president's commitment remains not raising taxes for anyone uh, making less than $400,000 a year. There are some, and I'm not sure if this is the case in this report, who argue that in the past, companies have passed on these costs to consumers. I'm not sure if that's the argument being made in this report. We feel that that's unfair and absurd, and the American people would not stand for that. But I will take a closer look at this. It's absurd. Absurd to think that companies will raise their prices if their taxes are increased. What do you say to that? Uh, I don't know that she's ever run a, a business. You talk to any business owner out there, and businesses have to account for regulatory costs for, for wage jobs. Just look at what happened this past year um, with the government subsidizing people to not work. Well, businesses had to raise their prices to, their, their, in order to compensate and in order to to make amends for the fact they had to pay labor so much more. So when you go ahead and take more of a company's profits. Yes, they have to pass that law into consumers. But second of all, it makes investing less desirable because when the business decides whether or not to invest money in a new opportunity, they have to look at what is my after-tax return because they have to weigh that against the possibility of loss because there's never a 100 percent slam dunk business venture. You have to look at the probability of loss and the probability of success. And when you lower that after-tax um, 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 potential profit, well, that actually means that a lot of projects are no, no longer make economic sense to invest in. That's why if you look at the states, if you look at the high-tax states versus the low-tax states, you see those low-tax states, by and large, excelling in terms of business development and jobs compared to those other states. So when you want to head and jack up tax rates on businesses to something higher than a communist country, that is going to be a real negative impact, not just for the wealthy, but for regular middle-class American families. Joel Griffith, research fellow for the Institute for Economic Freedom and Opportunity at the Heritage Foundation. I appreciate you taking the time. You can follow him, Joel Griffith. On Twitter, you can check him out there. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. We've got more coming up. I'm Tony Katz. I don't know why TikTok is on my radar so much lately, but there's been a couple of, like, Weird TikTok videos that have just come my way. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. And I bring them up to you because, uh, look, people can say what they want. I, I don't believe in, in, in the censorship. But I do believe that if your kids are very focused on TikTok, you might want to know what's going on. I think when somebody is saying something like this on TikTok, you should be aware that your kids could be seeing it. Hi, I'm Lynx Wildcat. I am a polyamorous, pansexual, lesbian, non-binary, trans woman, I'm also a furry. You should be aware of that. You should be aware that that's what's going on on TikTok. By the way, the best part, I think, is their name. Hi, I'm Lynx Wildcat. I now, you can call yourself anything you want. You, you get to decide your name. I don't. Lynx Wildcat over there. Then there are things. 
Now, by the way, I think that's uh, something you should be paying attention to because kids who can be easily swayed, why do you think throughout history governments go after controlling them, uh, they will start to believe that they're all these things too. And and I didn't say that kids don't have questions. I think it's just wrong to feed into those things, especially when we're not based in any type of reality. It's not based in reality. Kids have questions. Kids can be confused. Your job as a parent and the adult is to help them through it, not to add to the confusion, which is what videos like this can do. But this one, this one was just uh, about straight-up communism. <laughs> right there uh, on, on the TikTok. I need y'all to understand that just because you've been conditioned to believe that private property rights, um, when I say private property, I mean property that is used for commercial purposes like factories and the machinery and um, commercial farming, private property rights we've been conditioned to believe are like the uh, of the utmost importance, regardless of the material impacts of those private property rights. So then when somebody starts to question those private property rights, they can be dismissed as the bad guy immediately doesn't matter what they're saying doesn't matter that they're saying hey um, private property rights really harm um, citizens really harm a massive portion of our population y'all will say no because I've been taught that private property rights are inherently good and anything that that rails against them is inherently bad and y'all need to realize that you've been indoctrinated with that and knock it the off yeah, yeah. Property rights are inherently good, and things that are opposed to it are inherently bad. Those are the facts. And uh, this communism stuff, you need to knock at the blank off. My gosh, what a dopey thing to say. Per- private property, the ability to own something is the difference between us and the slave. Only the free person can own property. But if you're a farmer... And you've got the big tractor, the big this, the big that, the combines, in order to make the the, the job easier. No, that doesn't belong to you. That belongs to all of us. You don't actually own that. You can't have control of that. You can't now sell food. You have to provide such things. Isn't this exactly what this woman is going for? You can't own. Private property is the problem. Private property is the difference between a worthy society and being a subject or a slave of a society. It's a difference between citizenry and slavery. Private property is everything. You got to keep paying attention to what your kids are doing on the tickety-tock. All social media. They are subjected to a lot of garbage, and it's our job to help your kids. Your job to help your kids, my job to help my kids, our job to help our kids uh, navigate this nonsense. I'm Tony Katz. My default position is to ask people, please do this. This is why it's been proven to be safe. The vaccine's been out there a long time now. There are not legitimate religious exemptions because the leaders of all the organized religions have said there's no legitimate reason, and we're going to win that in court in a matter of days. And so this is so unnecessary. And I just want to appeal to the individuals to know that, you know, your coworkers want you to do this. Don't make the burden heavier on them as well. 
That is the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, and man, is she terrible. <laughs> Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Oh, no, there are no religious exemptions. I've spoken to all the religious leaders. Nope, you don't have it. Because as you know, if you don't have a religious leader that speaks to the governor of New York, how can you actually believe in the Lord? As you all know, you only believe in God because some religious leader says you believe in God. You don't actually believe all by your lonesome now, do you? Oh, don't be ridiculous. Now, I've got a series of things to get into. Some amazing commentary about the vaccine and the forced vaccinations. Now, again, I tell you, I'm not anti-vax at all. But I'm not in favor of force. And this idea of employers forcing their employees, I find uh, to be obscene. It's just wrong. It's all there is to it. It's just wrong. But I think that we are at the point in America where, uh, what do they call that, the inflection point? We're at the point where people are like, okay, we've heard it from you. We don't want to hear it anymore. People will make their decision in a year or two years or three. Uh, They'll do the same thing about their kids. You've gotten everybody you're going to get. Calm down. Stop being psychopathic. There's a piece out from Ipsos, a COVID-19 index survey. That was conducted from January to September of, of this year. And now the public trust in Joe Biden to provide accurate COVID information, it's down. 53% say not very much or none at all. That's the amount of public trust. So stop forcing this on people. They now think you're working to hurt them. And in some cases you are. So stop. CEOs should stop doing this. Corporate leaders should stop doing this. You're not saving lives. Stop. Now, I've got some audio to to, to share about this. But first, first I need to uh, drive producer Ari out of his head. I need to ask a question about cars. No, God. No, God, please, no. 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 Ew, David. I do. I need to ask about cars. Here is my question. Now, you know, if, if you don't know, I go through phases of wanting to purchase a, a, a vehicle. Every day. A, no, it's not, it's not every day. It's every day. Lately, it's been every day, but not on air, just to you, mostly to drive you nuts. But I go, like, in the spring, I get a, I don't know, I get a little bit of a fever. Like, I got to get something, and it's always about getting a classic. Always about getting a classic. And I actually went to the Meekum auction this year, and I was a bidder, had the little, had the little thing, Tried to bid. I got my butt kicked. People were bidding so fast, so furious. I didn't know what was happening. I did get my hand up once. No one even saw it. The price just blew right by me. I was like, okay. These people are more serious than me. That's the way that goes. And then I've been trying to figure out what to do. If I don't get a classic, you know, like, you know, give, give, give me like, like a 72 Buick Skylark or something like that. Just awesome. Or I, I looked at a 76 Eldorado convertible. Oh, I love that stuff. Gets like five gallons to the mile, and I love it. It's perfect. Dream come true. And then uh, my, my, my wife is a Mustang girl, so I'm like, I'll, I'll look at Mustangs. Right? Kids are going to start driving. I need a third car. I'm not getting them something. Oh, I'm getting myself something. And maybe something that will keep some level of, of, of value. I'm not looking to spend insane dollars. Well, I have a series of, of, of friends who are all in this Porsche world who are like, you got to get a Porsche. 
I can't even pronounce. I don't know if it's Porsche or Porsche. I can't keep up with the insanity. And and so I'm like, really? Do I want to do that? Do I want to spend on that? Do I want to, you know, the maintenance on that? Well, everybody I have spoken to is like, the maintenance is far better than you think. The car is outrageously reliable, can totally work as a daily driver. Uh, in winter, I'm not 100% sure. In ice, uh, nothing works, right? Your minivan isn't going to work, although it's front wheel versus rear wheel, etc. Et so I'm like, all right, now I'm looking at Porsche. Fine, I'll look. and they're, they're beautiful. I happen to like the vehicle quite a bit. But am I looking? And here's where the question comes. Settle, settle yourselves down. Uh, some people suggested I get like an old Rolls Royce. And I, I got to tell those people right now, I think you're sweet. Uh, uh, but no, that's not happening. In my searching, and this is where I need some car people to let me know, on Twitter or uh, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. I come across vehicles that say rebuilt title. So maybe it was an accident. Something like that. I'm not 100% sure what it means, and I'm not 100% sure if you can trust it or not. They sell them. I mean, it's clearly legal to sell. Are you asking for more of a problem than it's worth? How does that work? Is this something I should be looking at or not? And I would ask you, Producer Ari, but I don't think you know the answer. Nor do I care. Ah, you see? Thank, thank goodness you're, uh, you're committed uh, to the show. While you are thinking about that, those of you who know the answer to that question, I want to share with you on COVID, on vaccines, Jonathan Isaac. I was not familiar with Jonathan Isaac until today. He plays basketball for the Orlando Magic. And he is not vaccinated. And he was asked about this. He was asked about an interview he had done in Rolling Stone about the vaccine and his take on taking a COVID vaccine. Jonathan, Jamie Say, WKMG. Wondering if you can comment on the Rolling Stone article and your comments that appeared on that about you not getting a vaccination, um, why you don't want to get a vaccination, and were you misquoted in that article? I would just I would start by saying that that I, I was pretty badly um, misrepresented um, in the Rolling Stone article, uh, and and because of that I can understand anyone who may say they don't uh, transparently or overtly trust um, the media. Uh, in, in a frustrated tweet yesterday, I had noted that uh, true journalism was dying, um, and to that I would say that I appreciate every single one of you, uh, those that try their best to. Um, correctly um, uh, share the thoughts, the ideas, and the, the heart of the people that they're asking questions of. Uh, I already like this guy a tremendous amount. Uh, journalism is dying, but you're all lovely. Is is great. But here's where it gets... He is having the conversation that many of you are having. I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-medicine. I'm not anti-science. Uh, I didn't come to my current vaccination status by studying black history or watching Donald Trump press conferences. I have nothing but the utmost respect for every healthcare um, worker and person in Orlando and all across the world that have worked tirelessly to keep us safe. Uh, my mom has worked in healthcare for a really long time. Um, I thank God I'm grateful that I live in a society where vaccines are possible and we can uh, uh, 
protect ourselves and have the means to protect ourselves for the first in the first place. Um, but with that being said, it is my belief that the, the vaccine status of every person should be their own choice um, and completely up to them without the without bullying, without being pressured or without being forced into doing so. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that I'm uncomfortable with taking the vaccine at this time. I think that we're all different. We all come from different places. We've all had different experiences and hold dear to different beliefs. And uh, what it is that you do with your body when it comes to putting medicine in there uh, should be your choice, um, free of the ridicule and the opinion of others. Now I want to know from CEOs and corporate leaders across the country why he should lose his job for that position. Did he say anything rude? Did he say anything outrageous? Did he say anything that would that 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 was, you know, dismissive? Or did he honestly engage his view? Why do employers believe they should be able to force their view upon employees? Now, he's part of a union that's probably going to be able to well fight this and you're not going to have to get vaccinated. How about Bradley Beal? Do you know Bradley Beal? I don't know Bradley Beal. Now, this is him at a press conference. I haven't even checked this yet, Producer Ari. I don't know if he says anything foul, so finger on the dump button. What has he got to say about vaccines? Every player, every person in this world is going to make their own decision for themselves. Um, I would like an explanation to, you know, people with vaccines. Why are they still getting COVID? If that's something that we are supposed to highly be protected from. Like, it's funny that, oh, it reduces your chances of going to the hospital. It doesn't eliminate anybody from getting COVID. Right? What's wrong with that question? not a good question of course it's a good question he's he is he clearly he says it doesn't eliminate anybody from getting covid right so his argument is if it's not going to stop me from getting covid with certainty why am i taking it why it's should a fine I, question why should i wear a seatbelt if i still might get in a car crash and die it doesn't it's not a cure it's a preventative I, I don't believe you should force people to wear seatbelts. I'm just using that as an example. of. And like, I think it's a bad example because it's a you shouldn't force example. people to wear seatbelts. But no, you deciding to wear a seatbelt is your decision. Somebody else deciding not to wear a seatbelt has nothing to do with you. You are not impacted 1%. The argument that they make is, well, it increases health care costs. So does the hiker who goes into the wilderness and is lost for three days, and we send helicopters to go find them. We don't say you can't hike alone. I am not interested in a society that wants to say, for your own good. I have no interest in the nanny state, and I'd rather say to the nannies, to hell with you. These are solid, worthy conversations. What's interesting is that they're going to get union protection, and I'm not. You're not. They're going to get union protection. But I want to know, what about all the people who want to say that the only reason you're not getting vaccinated, and I'm not talking about me personally, I'm talking about anybody, ah, you're, just a, you're just a Trump supporter. It's your Republican Trump supporters aren't getting vaccinated. Ask these two black men about their politics. Go on. 
you're the ones, uh, you know, you, 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 the, the, the politicos, you, the, the, the healthcare professionals, you, the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, etc. Oh, you're the ones uh, holier than now talking about the need to get vaccinated, and all oh, these, these Trump people, and all these Republicans, and all these Midwesterners, they're the ones not getting vaccinated. Here you go. Ask these two guys. But you won't do that, will you? Because that's your cowardice, ain't it? You won't dare bring it up to them. You'll just simply avoid that, and you'll go after the enemy of least resistance. <laughs> we, we, we see you. We see you fully and completely and in every way. Now, this ties into a conversation about New York where they are now deploying National Guard troops to replace unvaccinated health workers in hospitals. Why? Because the, man, the, the deadline came, you're not vaccinated, you don't have a job. So the National Guard is going to do the work. Does that make sense to anyone? Is that a value to anyone? You're going to force people to get vaccinated. They're like, I don't want to get vaccinated. So now we already have hospitals in levels of distress, right? They're, they're, they're filled up. And now you're going to take those people who best deal with that, and you're going to pull them out, and you're going to replace them with the National Guard. I have nothing against the National Guard. Those people do incredible work for us day in and day out. But wouldn't you be better with a nurse? Now, I know there are nursing shortages as well, and that could be a reason to want to get some help. We have serious nursing shortages, and part of the reason for that is the market. Because we have a nursing shortage, there are places willing to spend really, really good money for traveling nurses. And nurses are looking at this economic opportunity and saying, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take advantage of that opportunity. I'm going to get paid over here and paid over there. I can work for three months and be like working for the whole year. I'm going to take nine months off. I'm going to Netflix and chill like a mother. Hoo-wee. I can't blame them for such a thing. I believe the need for nurses is a national security issue, and I believe that's a great reason not to pay China back when we talk about the debt we owe China because they gave us COVID and put that money towards free education for nurses. Let's pay off their nursing bills. Let's go. If they stay in that area that they're in for X number of years. I mean, we've got to incentivize it just a little bit. Come on now. Let's play the game. That's my take. I'm curious as what people are going to say about these players. Employers forcing. Employers who are forcing vaccines on their employees are wrong. They shouldn't do it. In the meantime, I'll tell you what social media says about rebuilt titles. Uh, they're, they're not fans at all. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So the people have spoken. First of all, it's Porsche, not Porsche. Is it really? I was according according to the Twitter box people. Wow, I've been wrong. It's Porsche, not Porsche, and I honestly don't. I have absolutely no no idea. Uh, but they have all uh, agreed unanimously that um, if I were to buy um, a used car with a rebuilt title, it's just a horror show. Game over, man. You're a phony. Hey, this guy's a great big phony. Like, like, just don't do it. 
don't touch it. How dare you? Worst idea in the world. So, okay, this is why I check with you, because I don't have the answer, nor do I know what I'm going to purchase. I know I have to. You're never going to do it, dude. I need to do it. You're. N- I've been here. What do you this mean? I'm years? never going to do it. Because I've either you never. Never is a long time, boo boo. Get off the pot, Tony. You've been on this trade for too long. I can't hear it anymore. Just I will buy this car for you if it'll get you to never speak of it again. Okay. You can buy the car for me. You're never going to be able to pick one out. No, 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 no. We can go right now. We can go right now. I'll pick one out. Just, just you tell have, me where you want to go. You have I'll twenty pick one minutes. Out. We can't be sitting there with our hands in our pants. Nope. Twenty minutes. I'll pick it out in the first thirty seconds. This is called the long con, guys. I've just been waiting for producer Ari to say, I've had enough, I'll buy you the car. Oh, man. So I'll show you what it is tomorrow, unless producer Ari, you know, is going to be a, what would you call it, a welcher? Huh? They still use that term? What happened in front of the Senate Armed Services Committee? That's next. I'm Tony Katz.